0: this week's The Dog House. Professional retriever trainers Adam Campbell from Hillside Kennels and Jimmy Rogers from Mallard Run Kennels are here to talk dog training. Plus, duck hunting, outdoor world equipment, and retriever and hunting events.
1: Handlers, Master A.
0: The Doghouse is brought to you in part by Sullivan Motors in Collins, Mississippi. Featuring those great Chevrolet trucks, BS Delivers at Sullivan Motors. So let's get started. Here are Adam Campbell and Jimmy Rogers.
2: (laughs) All right, all right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Doghouse. I'm in the man cave, Big Jim. Come in. Where you from, buddy?
1: What's up, Adam? Back back in the bluegrass, man. Back in the bluegrass after time out west, and kind of glad to be home, man. I. Yeah, yeah,
2: that was a heck of a trip, wasn't it? Absolutely. And I guess our last episode was, you know, the night before the national, me and you and Scott Greer and Tyler Patterson and uh, our buddy Ray was with us and we were just kind of bullcrapping it. Uh, yeah. It was your birthday and we had a good time.
1: We were having a good time. I was especially having a good time. Me and Ray was having a real good time.
2: <laughs> that was a cool yeah. present that Ray got you for your birthday. that Wasn't that, that awesome? That wine <laughs> court with Ray in it. You know, it was the coolest thing I see. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know where it ended up Uh, It didn't make it it home (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: before we get into our guest today Congratulations on your run at the National, buddy I was sure proud of, you know I'm one of these guys that pull for everybody I want you to do well, I want Tyler to do well I want everybody to do well I'm just a fan of the game And I love people, so I guess it's just a good recipe for You know, I want people to do well But congratulations, brother I'm sure proud of you
1: Thank you, buddy. I I was super tickled, man. You know, like everybody else, I had a couple, I had, well, I had a couple others that I felt like I could, would definitely do the work and just, just come up a little short, but I was proud of them. And man, you hit them good too, Adam. I was was proud for you, man. Our whole crew, uh, group out there, our, our flight, man, that that was fun. Every bit of it was, was a good time, man. Judges were Mm -hmm. wonderful. Weather was pretty good to the very end. Everything was everything was cool, man. But congratulations, you hit them good, also.
2: Thank you, pal. And the weather was mm-hmm. great. It was beautiful weather, and that last day, some some people, maybe the guy across from me, was finished by then. But <laughs> he was Oof. he was home. But um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I kind of got that four series real good. But if I was getting my butt kicked in that cold rain, that would have sucked. So.
1: Oh man, I, I tell you, I went out and shot flyers on the last uh, for the last run, and I don't know how many I shot for, and I never mind, you know. But uh, I was just about to the point of standing up. Of course, it's 40 degrees. I'm blowing cold rain. I've been out there about three or four, five hours. And, and I had done soaked through. My hands was becoming numb. I, I was Your hands look just... like
2: a little baby that's been in the bathtub for two hours <laughs> I know,
1: man. It was cold. <laughs> I, I was just fixing to say, look, y'all, you're going to have to get somebody else. And I heard them say, by a dog, and I'm like, Yeah, I can shoot one more, <laughs> and that's it. That's if it had been two more, I just got to come out because I couldn't have shot no more. My hands are done clammed
2: up. You just was quit, wasn't you, buddy?
1: So I was done with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes,
2: sir. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a big believer in divine timing, and this kind of this deal right here worked out good for us. Uh, we've been wanting yeah. to do one since we got home, but we just hadn't had time. And uh, yesterday, I looked down, my phone rang, and it's Stephen Durance. So I was like, Well, let me check Steve out. So, He calls, hey, man, I'm on my way to the crown championship, SRS crown championship. You mind if I stop and train a little bit? And I said, better yet, don't stop and train, you know, come here and stay in the man cave and and all of that. So our guest today is my good pal, Stephen Derners. Welcome in, pal.
3: What's up? What's up? Hey. (laughs) Adam's telling a partial truth. Actually, he told me that Mr. Jim was going to be here, and I was going to get to run the setups for the crown ahead of time. But partial truths and whole lies—you know what I mean? Yeah, that's
1: right. He can't help it. He can't help it, man. He tries. I'm
3: catching up on the tail end of this. I did not realize you were out there running dogs, Mr. Jim. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: yeah. We uh, we we, I had uh, nine in the national, and uh, they uh, they done good. They they done They, they, they done good. They, they, we had a good run with them, man. It was, uh, uh, they had a good crew of master dogs. I had a couple more qualified that didn't get to go.
3: Hey, I know, I know the feeling I had a, I had a terrible, terrible experience. I actually flew out because I was a little under the weather. Um, and we had to, I, I stepped off the plane and I had been out of commission for the better part of a month. So we had a dog who had run the grand, passed the grand six days before. And then, then um, he he met Sean Hager, one of my trainers, in the road. And they met in Chattanooga. One trainer's on the way home, one is on the way out. And, and, and they both told me, hey, man, this dog's having a little trouble, been a little sick. You know, we've had him on metronidazole, blah, 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 blah. And long story short – as soon as I got I flew out to Salt Lake To meet with Sean um, I said where's the dog Dog jumped out of the truck And I said Bubba you got cancer Don't you And sure enough oh, We wow. went to the We went to the uh, To the To the vet And sure was shooting He was eat up with cancer Had passed the grand Six days before And we had to put wow. him down So Oh man Mr. Jimmy I totally I totally understand Dogs not being able To make the trip
1: yeah golly that sucks and listen talking about your experience of course everybody you know you've not been at the grand was a was a big thing you know we were all uh uh praying for you man i you know i, I was sketching a little bit adam was keeping up with you and i was getting information to him. but boy i'm sure glad you you come you, you come out of that deal that, that, was, that sounded bad tough man i'm sorry you had to go through all that
3: well that's life and and, and i I don't ever think I was as bad as some of the folks felt like I was. It was kind of fun hearing some of the rumors. <laughs> I heard I was dying. <laughs> well,
1: at least you find out then who your real buddies are at that point. <laughs> I, I,
0: and and all,
3: honestly, this is this is I'm not a believe it or not. I'm not a super public person. I, I keep most of my stuff real close to the vest. And it was it was a humbling thing to see how many people reached out how many people wanted to help it. It was, I mean, like I said, it, it humbling the whatever words below that, it was, it was a heck of an experience, but there were so yeah. many people that wanted to reach out and um, once or twice, some stuff got put on social media, not intentionally, but just essentially saying that I was in the hospital and we had to get them to take it down because just the flow of, yeah. of people who were concerned and, I could hardly I couldn't (laughs) I couldn't talk much less feel phone calls so we had to get some of that stuff taken down just to Uh kind of stem the flow it it the dog world is a special world it's a special it's a special community and just like just like Adam said I mean I was riding out here and we're we're arguing over where we're going to go and and we we wanted to go see some friends in Louisiana, but my little my little girl's not with us, and she would burn the whole place down if we went without her. And so not that Adam was by any means a second choice. But it's all I re- good. I realized that, that I had a couple clients who could catch up and we could train together if I didn't go too far down the road. And, and Adam's, yeah. Adam's never told me no yet except when it really mattered. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> exactly <laughs> i don't recall <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs>
1: <laughs> they only catch you when you're in a bind man that's <laughs> yes no that, that's good man uh how many uh how many you got you headed to the crown? how many you got going
3: i've got six that i'm running and i have two clients that are running three dogs so this cool. is by far the largest group that that i've ever brought out um i'm excited i i'm um, but I'll, at the same time, I'm ready for it all to be over because this is the last big event. Normally, normally you know as well as anybody, you know we're going to do the Grand and then the Master National and then the Crowns. Seems like you blink your eyes and it's right there behind you. So we're just doing everything yeah. we can to keep our head above water.
1: Well, yeah, I I can only imagine right now. I you know of course uh, me and Tyler Paris and we run together and then we went to the we went to the. uh like you would have done I'm sure the same if you'd have been there we'd done the grand and then we turned around and headed straight for for Idaho you know we was we was on the road about 26 days I think 27 days or something and it was uh it was it was a race if I had to come home and get ready for the for the crown that would definitely I still got a couple master tests to run but that's 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 uh I'm about to close my season down so yeah that's a big deal to have to get all that done and People don't understand, and we we probably put more pressure on ourselves than our clients, dude. Because you want to do good, you know, you want to you want, you want to make sure you pass everybody and, and stand a good chance in that crown. I totally understand that. So it's like it never ends, just a vicious cycle.
3: Yeah, and then then I can go duck hunting, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, I I've got
1: one foot out the door right now, man. <laughs> I, I told
3: I told all my folks, I said, after this, y'all get the big dogs, I get the puppies. I'm a young dog trainer for the next couple of months.
1: Awesome, man. I came up awesome.
2: um I guess it was Friday, uh Saturday morning. I think it was five about five thirty to go air. <laughs> <clears throat> that north wind was right. And I said, like, oh, man, that is nice. And I walked right there, and I heard speckle bellies flying over. Like, Th- those <laughs> those guys are lost. But, hey, that is a good sound. <laughs> There's so. so many of them, they're just having to get pushed to the edge. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I got that thing filled up. so. Um, but, now, going back to that little dog that you said had cancer, that just speaks to the volume of how tough and how much these guys wanted, don't it, Steve?
3: it. it, it. <laughs> It, it, it's heartbreaking because I mean that was an eight-year-old dog. He had two master national plates. He had two. He had two grand passes, and he didn't have enough points for his title. Oh. You know, he he had just he had gone two for the last two. He passed with me, and then Marcus Bice ran him um, for me since I was down. Um, and you know, you can say, well, that's a partial career. It was it was barely finished, but at the same time, <clears throat> it wasn't. I, I, that title stuff's for us more than them. And I did not have Gunny very long. He had been kind of a traveling man, had been and, – and he and I just clicked. And, you know, where he had struggled in the past um, in some venues, it, it, it just went really, really smooth with with he and I. Maybe it was the right time. Maybe he grew up. Maybe I did. I don't know. But, I mean, he's just – every day gave you everything he had. He's an eight-year-old dog, and you wouldn't know it. And it was so fun to, to watch him um, – Actually, Richard Meisman sent him to me because Richard doesn't do a lot of HRC. He said, man, this is a great dog to run, the Grand. And, I mean, he was – I liked him way too much for a dog that I had not had that long. Right. Because I I had – you know, I tell my clients all the time, it's not my job for your dog to love me. You know, at the very beginning, I don't need that kind of affection. I want respect. I want compliance. I want effort. And the dogs that I get an affinity for are the dogs that I've had for years. We've been in the trenches, you know. They've helped me. I've helped them, and we develop a bond. And like I said, I loved him way too much for a dog that I'd had for that little time. But that just speaks for his tenacity and want to. Matter of fact, um, he got fourth at the SRS at Tyler's. That was his <coughs> excuse me. That was his first SRS placement. Yellow. Yella, yeah, yeah, I judged exactly, yeah. So that dog is the one. that I mean, it—he did not look like the same dog that had left the kennel, and it was just—it had been right out a month, maybe a little less. Wow. And um, you know, he was starting to lose weight and things like that. But I—I I checked his weight chart, and in August he was sixty-five pounds. September he was sixty-one, which is not unusual when you run dogs, you know, getting ready for the big event. So that wasn't any red flag. And when we took him to the vet, um, Kendra took him in so that we could, like I said, I just stepped off the plane and I had just a couple days to run the dogs that I was supposed to run for the nationals. First time I'd seen them in a month too. And the vet called me and I said, "How much does this dog weigh? I want to know his weight." And he said, "He said he's 61 pounds." I said, "There's absolutely no way." And the only reason that he was that much is because he had started developing fluid in his abdomen. In his chest cavity, and that was what was mitigating the weight loss. Mm. But it's just to think—you know—six <clears throat> days before he ran a five-day hardest. Don't I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but hardest hunt test there is. Yeah, I know. um yeah. We, It's been said on here before. I mean, the hardest—the
2: yeah. hardest one to pass. For absolutely,
3: sure. absolutely. And to do that, and to do that with a week of training with another person. I mean, that was just—it's heartbreaking in, in so many ways. But it's so it, their their threshold for pain is so much different than ours. Absolutely. <coughs> so, but Gunny was a special dog. He'll always have a special place in my heart.
2: And it, to me, Gunny, you're an honorary grand champion, pal. You may not Ain't have no had the points,
3: Bud, but no doubt, my grand,
2: grand champion in my eyes well
1: no no question
2: speaking of the grand you know you've had as as much success in the last several years as anybody that's ever done it well uh, i I said that (laughs) you didn't all right okay Um, what you what attributes to that you know i know good animals and good dogs and whatnot well
3: i mean when i started with dogs i you know most people have a mentor my mentor was my grandfather, but he didn't do retrievers. So, to to get to that, I grew up on a farm, <clears throat> grew up with animals. Uh, my grandfather had herding dogs. So, I, I, I learned about animals, and I loved hunting, and I just connected those two. And when I did, um, it was I was a senior in college when I bought my first lab. And when I tell you that it was an obsession, you know, Mossy Oak, it's not a, you know, whatever, it's an obsession. This, this was truly... And obsession right. <laughs> and and you know, when I'd work all day, you know, doing whatever, and then lay down at night and th- think of how can I train dogs better. So I was beginning my my walk into being so obsessed, <clears throat> and then I met dude, dude, and his owner were, were, were running season when I met them. Um, so dude and I ran our first grand together in 08 in Georgia, and the only reason I ran it. The grand was because it was in Georgia. It was two hours from the house. Yeah. And I'm like, I am gonna, I want to do this one day, so let's see what it's going to be like. And uh, the obsession, the work ethic that was instilled at me at a young age, and, and, and in all honesty, the fear of failure is what has driven, you know, I, I can't be any more honest than saying I just cannot stand the thought of not being successful, not doing what I set out to do. And there is no, there is no phone call, there is no phone call that I hate making more than calling an owner and telling them their dog didn't pass a big event. So I hate the, I hate the thought of doing it. I hate the reality of doing it. So I do everything I can to avoid having to make it. Right. So
2: that's yeah, that's really cool. And I that obsession you're talking about, and that it kind of comes along with that fear of failure.
3: I think I think they're probably hand in hand. They're in hand, some, in hand in hand. I know because I was kind of the same way. I never <laughs> thought about nothing but
2: how how can I train dogs better, and then that fear of failure just.
3: They were truly. I mean, I apologized to my wife. I mean, I, she knew it. She did not complain about it. But I said, "Honey, I promise. When when the time comes for me to realign my my priorities, I promise I will." And of course, when she got pregnant with our first child, that was time (laughs) (laughs) because I I always, you know, this is traditionally not a a family friendly sport. And I I promised myself, I promised my wife that would not be us. So I had to figure out how to train hard. And it was very simple for me at the very beginning. I knew, still know, that I don't know as much as other people. I didn't have the shiniest things and I didn't have the best facility, but I could simply make up for that with hard work and volume of work. That I was just simply going to outdo you in reps, like shooting free throws, you know. That's right. You stand on the free throw line you knew that you shot a thousand more than anybody else, you were going to make it. So that was my philosophy and when <clears throat> when Darcy was born and I had to reset, I had to figure out how to work smart and hard at the same time, and that way find a balance. And and to be honest with you, that's kind of – we went to a whole different level when I stepped back and just instead of just blindly working hard as I could, it actually started trying to be smart in my setup, smart in my approach, what I do on Monday, hold hands with what I did on Friday, that type of work, things got better. They got – they got – they got – that. I mean, like I said, we went to our – we won our first crown in 14, and that was when Darcy was a little tiny baby. So yeah. that that's part of it. Maybe she's good luck. Maybe it was just a better pr- pr- approach.
2: Well, <laughs> this is not a family – I mean, it cannot be. Or it can be, um, this it, deal that we do. Absolutely. Because I, I've been right there where you are, and I went to the point of uh, – mine were, you know, real close to not – I wasn't really going to have them anymore. And I had to step back. And make those same type evaluations that you did, and that just speaks character of you, man. That's oh, that's just that's good stuff. Yeah,
3: you know, it's not yeah. you know it's not intended. You know, God didn't intend for us to 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 not be without our mates, and that's it's a it's a big decision. It's a huge it's a huge sacrifice on our wives' part. Humongous. To, I mean, it takes it definitely takes two, and 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 to their defense, a lot. You know. One thing that's special about me and Kendra is we came into it together. Most dog trainers find dogs later in life, and they've had a whole other career. They've had a whole other life, and that wasn't what their their, their wives necessarily put in for. <laughs> they didn't sign up for that. Yeah, we were in college. My wife thought she was marrying a doctor. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's what Miss Carrie done to me. She was in
3: pre-med, and I dumbed her down, you know. <laughs> but I was a
2: school teacher, and, and – we already had Marley and when I decided to do this stuff. So I guess that was kind of a big deal for my wife. And at the time, the the, the fear of failure and the, the drive in me kind of made me put them not number one. Mm-hmm. And it'll cost you, you young bucks out there, you know. I guess if I could give any advice, that's what I, my first <laughs> level of advice is, you know. You keep better keep your priorities. Yeah, straight. you know, after the good Lord, it needs to be your family, your wife, and your kids. So, but anyway, that's not dog training. And
3: It'll make you a better dog trainer, though. It will, really. absolutely, it truly will.
2: Um, that fear, fear of failure. I think you know that made me think about something. And this is not dog training either, but I think folks are either success driven, or they're driven by the the fear that they're going to fail. And I'm definitely in in the I fear you know. I don't. I hate failing, just like you. I don't want to make that phone call. I don't want to deal with it myself because it kills me. But I definitely don't want to let my clients down. But um, do you kind of see that there's really two things that drive folks: is success and the fear of
3: failure? Well, that's that's deep deep thought, and it's going to take a little bit more. But I, I mean, sitting here listening to you say it, I, I would not disagree at all. Right? You know, uh, success is a, is a hard, huge mountain to climb, especially. You know, when you look at the tasks that you're dealing with, and for me, with the grand and so many uncertainties, all I knew was it was extremely hard, and not many people passed it. And I didn't know what it took to prepare for that. So the the fear of not being prepared, I guess that would be as much as the fear of failure, is the is the fear of not being prepared to do that event drove me to – to train all the time to obsess over it to figure out how to be and, and but the other side of that too that shouldn't be mitigated is the process of training in general. You know, if you're going to be a good dog trainer, you got to love the process of training. Right. So uh, even though I was I was, you know, doing everything I could to not fail, that did not take away from the fact that I just what I was doing every day as, even though I was doing it so so much, it was not work, it was fun, it was you know it was what I wanted to do right, and so that helped the process. it wasn't like I was going out there beating on a rock, you know I was learning as I went and I was enjoying the process of it, but all the while I was just trying to get better and and be the best I could be
2: right and i still and I still enjoy this stuff I love it, and I enjoy the fashion of what we get to do and the and that process so
1: well, I told some told somebody the other day man that uh, it's the only job I've ever had the more I do it, the more I like it because I learn more every day you know and you get you get better at it you know you just every day there's something new and something more.
3: Well I'm continually reminded about how much I don't know you know and, and, and when I when I figure something out, you know for me it's about teaching dogs and it's about making the process easier for them and, and inherently for me because it's easier for them. And when I realize another way to teach a dog how to do something, I go, man, you know, I thought I knew before that. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily a nirvana moment, but it's definitely the opportunity to go, you know what, there's a better way. And you can continually search for that and be better at it if you continue to apply it. You know, the people laugh all the time when I say this, but it's the truth. My job as a dog trainer, my greatest job, my greatest task is not screw your dog up. Because it's the hardest thing in the world to take away the bad in an animal without taking some of the good with it. Tough. And that yeah. balance, and, you know, I might be the only person as that dog's dog trainer that sees what it could have been or the shortcomings that are inherently in it. But I wear that burden, you know, when I look at that dog and say, this dog could have been better if I'd have done this. At this part in his life, or at this age, or you know, at this stage, if I'd have developed this more, this dog would have been more. And you know, other folks might see a dog and go, Man, that sucker's nice. And, and I'm and I, I don't discount that, but at the same time, I go, Man, I know I could have done better.
2: There's yeah, I think we all have them. I know <laughs> I do. Like, probably my best job at the national, I look at her and I'm like, That dog has shortcomings, and it's it's because of me. And yeah. it, it bothers me still when I look at that little dog. That's, and that's not yeah. just her. There's all of them that have shortcomings that probably are man created.
3: Well, uh, like you said, man created. You know, when you look at a dog, a dog's only as good as he could was born to be. You can you can develop that. You can bring it out. You can teach them things, but you can hurt it way more. You know, attitude toward training is is one of the things that we affect the most as trainers because of the different approaches that we take that may may <clears throat> take away from attitude, but it's a, it's a neat process. And, and if you learn from your mistakes, you can make the next ones better. And that's what I hope I'm doing. You know, I, I I hope that's part of the reason that we got six going to the crown this year, you know, rather than two or three that, you know, the process is getting better. The dogs are getting more well-rounded and can compete on different venues. You know, <laughs> every one of those dogs on that truck, ran the Grand Order Master National, or both. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they've, 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 <laughs> they've done just as many miles as we have, and they're just as road weary, and they got to hop out and do it all over again.
2: I'm sure they're up for the task. And
3: they Well, I'm sure if I sat in the box, you know, and rode all the way up here in the box instead of air conditioning, I'd be ready to get out too. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Jim, you got anything, Bo?
1: Yeah no I was going to ask this. so he he mentioned earlier just in, in passing talking about dude and and uh and and what he you know starting out with him man what a, what a career that dog had I mean well and Steve, would you credit him to a lot of your you know your stardom, I guess you know him and and what was the other one Bobo
3: That's right well um yeah that was one point that I was I was actually going to make the one thing that I did learn early on in my career you can be the best dog trainer in the world you ain't got good dogs you ain't going get real far and what I got with dude and Bobo was totally undeserved you know what they were like I said I was running I was running seasoned and Mark and dude were running seasoned and Mark was failing seasoned because he couldn't put his gun on open his safe. <laughs> and safe <laughs> and and everybody's looking at dude and going man what an animal and they're like you know who trained the dog and Mark's like I did and everybody's going hmm this don't add up but uh but dude was just an incredible animal you know, he taught me what you could expect, what you, the standard that you could hold an animal to, that they were capable of actually achieving that. By that flip side, I always said that Bobo taught me what a dog could take because when I got him, he was known as being a wild child. And, you know, he and I got on the same page and, and got rolling. And, you know, those two dogs together were both once in a lifetime dogs. And I got to have them right there together at the beginning. And, and, but it was also what kind of put a, a burden on my shoulders about, <clears throat> about, you know, not screwing them up. <laughs> you know, yeah. you got this incredible yeah. animal and, and I'm, I'm new to training and I want to challenge them and I want to make them the best they can be. And at the same time, I don't want to push too much or do something that takes away from that, from how good they were. So, nope. Mr. Jim, I-, I, I can't take any credit in that regard. I was, I was blessed beyond measure. I just, I will say what I, I believe I did do is maximize their abilities and their careers and let them be as good as they could be, as long as they could be it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like, I had i uh, I've had a couple of, uh, of, of dude puppies. And then I've got, I actually passed the national with a grandson of his this year. Super nice dog named Bo that, and he looks, he he looks like him, you know, it's that big, uh, kind of long, thick dog and I like those dogs man but I yeah I mean everybody who plays this game who, who's been around any kind of hunt test or whatever knows those dogs two names in the last 10 years I mean they were at the top every time you know and that was cool I'm sure to get to work with those dogs and, and like you said I, uh, I, I get myself in this position training when you get a really good one I almost get a little nervous when I start getting one of those ones I just keep seeing better and better and better because I'm, I'm with you I'm like now what can I do not to screw this dog up? You know, because he is he is so talented. I want to make sure I get all. I, I, sometimes it's it, I tell people it's harder to train the best ones because that's where you you get cautious. You know, you don't you don't want to screw it up because you know what you're dealing with.
3: Well, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one that felt all these <laughs> these <laughs> anxieties, is what it is. But and are... the <laughs> yeah. And I tell you the other side of that too, and is. When you have a dog that great, that's been that great that long, one of the greatest things that 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 I will tell you that I am proud of is walking away at the right time. You know, you, you it's so hard. You, everybody wants to, everybody wants to do that one more great moment, and you push too far, too long. And there's, you know, when when that old dog, is time to hang it up. It's time to hang it up, and they'll tell you when. But you know, when we when when dude run, won his second and last crown, that he was ten and a half. He was not the dog that he was when, uh, when he won as an eight-year-old, and he got second about a thousand times it feels like. But uh, that I went to that event hoping we could have one good series, you know. I, and I was so glad that I told Shannon and everyone else involved that win, lose or draw, this is the last time, dude's gonna run the SRS period. Mm-hmm. And when you know when he won, that automatically qualified him again. And that wasn't gonna happen. That was, that was it. That was done. You know, if he could have won again, we'll never know. But that wasn't the point. He didn't. He didn't go out on crutches. He went out on top. Right. And that. Was yeah, fun.
1: that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome, man. I think. Uh, I think my buddy Tyler Patterson, me and Adam's was buddy Tyler Patterson was judging you when he won that one, wasn't
3: he? Uh, I believe you're exactly right. I knew Tyler yeah. judged one, but I think it was the second one. Oh. Yeah, he said that
1: was a that was a moment. You know, you know, Tyler, <laughs> Marine Corps guy, pretty tough. He said that was. He said, you know, that was a pretty pretty uh, heart, heart heartfelt moment when, when dude got it done at that age and, and knew that was going to be his last run. That was, that was a, a. He had a good deal.
3: I knew I had them in a good spot because he had two no birds in that last series. They were throwing like five birds in a blind. <clears throat> he had two no birds one of which the bird hung in the tree, and when we finally got the birds on the ground and he got to start running, he went and picked up the bird that that had been a no-bird. It landed at the base of the tree, and when he picked it up, he looked up in the tree, and the, oh judge, the judges went nuts. Yeah. They were like, oh Norm my. was judging. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly right. They said, no way he remembers that, but he did, and he was just old savvy dog, and To me, it was poetic justice, and I wasn't going to tell any of them that. But where the blind was, the the actual blind stake in the ground, was where the boat was in the first series of the first SRS that I ever ran when I came to Huntsville, and and Bobo and I won because dude went out on a double poison bird blind. That was the the day I decided it was time for dude to get collar conditioned. Because he was a great, he was a Grand, grand <laughs> Hunter Retriever champion that had never had a collar on and he had never needed it, but now we were competing against other dogs with, with lesser tools. But when I saw where that blind stake was in the ground in the in the last series, and I was like, "Man, we're gonna end this thing where we started it, and we're gonna end it a different way than we started it." <laughs> it was a, uh, it was poetic in a lot of ways. So, there yeah, was, there was a lot going on, a lot more than than, than people even knew. In that last series, I'm glad to know I got old Tyler a little misty.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty <laughs> damn, uh,
3: pretty damn impressive, right there. But, that's hard to do, yeah,
1: absolutely. You no,
2: know, Lauren judged that with Tyler, that SRS crown and. After the crown, Lauren called me. He's like, Adam. I was like, hey, Lauren." He's like, you're not going to believe this. That <laughs> effing dude dog, you know. He said he, he, he picked the bird up and looked up in the tree where the other one was. You know, how he, was, he was blown away by the, how smart that. He said that's the smartest. And we're talking about a guy that's won the Canadian National three times and countless uh, field champions up there and been doing this for 40-something years. He said that's the smartest dog he's ever seen.
3: Well, and, and that was something that we were obviously faced with early in our career was what are we going to do with dude? You know, where what are we going to do? Because there was a lot of pressure to go to the field trial world. But, you know, a large part of, of this thing, I I didn't want to be the limiting factor in fact the whole thing. And if they wanted to go field trial route, I wasn't going to tell them no. But I didn't want, again, uh, fear of failure not having experience doing that. One of the things that that I tell a a lot of folks when they want to push me in different directions is I never took money to train a dog to do something that I had not already achieved with with a dog. Right. And so we were talking about going into a different realm, and and I knew that was a huge risk. And it wasn't that I didn't think he couldn't be successful. Absolutely he could be successful. But I also knew that if we stayed focused on the grand – that dude could be the best grand dog that ever was. That it wasn't a. It wasn't it, if we could do other things, and that was great. The SRS crown that was that was that was all fun and games, <coughs> but uh, but that wasn't our primary focus. So we made a decision to focus on the grand to do the grand, and try to be the best grand dog that ever was, and and that's where we we ended up, you know. You can say it numerically, and if somebody can break his record, more power to him, I still say he's the best one, but <laughs> right right <laughs> but, um, but that all that all that being said, you know we we picked something early on, we picked something that was a lifetime accomplishment by its very definition, it was gonna take that much to to do it, so uh we chased Mr. Bill for a long time and and i I have immense respect for that man for what it took to get to to thirteen. Um, so what did dude end up with? 15. 15. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Grand passes. And if, if you've been living under a rock since you've been in the retriever games, we're talking about the big black dude. And, and he and, was. Yeah. Yeah. He was, <laughs> he was a beast of a man. Um, Stephen, you had to tell us all of his prefix, prefixes and suffixes. I
3: he was just a real good dog. You know, <laughs> and, and he, he was. I, Crown I,
2: champion twice, fifteen time. Grand, grand, grand pass. Master National Hall of Fame. Master latest, National Hall of Fame.
3: Really good duck dog too. Believe it or not. Yeah, I had to always. I was one of my concerns later in his career was his owner um, did commercial hunts, and I'm like, please set that dog away from the blind. <laughs> you know, Don't I was scared to death that he was going to still be able to do it, and not be able to hear. And I mean. A dog as big as he is to to avoid injury as long as he did. Um, we did – he had a cruciate surgery before the last crown, and it wasn't because it was necessarily torn. It was more of an erosion factor, just a big dog running for a long time. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you do something like that, it takes – that takes that long, avoiding sickness, injury, failure. So it's a, it's, there's a lot going on. So. It,
2: it takes a lot of fortune to be able to have a dog around long enough to do that
3: absolutely and and every day was special and every day was fun but uh it it make you want to get out and go every day and and i have uh you know i won in 19 with his daughter and that's something that i i would poke my chest out about you know we won with a dog she was born in my living room and then we won with his daughter and her brother's on the truck. He's qualified this year. You know, it's 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 neat watching the progeny. His grandson is on the truck. <laughs> so, I, I've I've had a lot of fortune not just from dude, but from what he left us as well. Right, and so. you kind of get a niche for
2: training those dogs, right?
3: Well, there's definitely, you can definitely see trends. You know, you right. see what Bobo's sons on there, and Bobo's one uh, son has won a pile. Mason's. Mason's got 12 grand passes himself, and a bunch of SRS's got a fourth. When Georgia won in 19, Mason was fourth. Um, So he's got his own – you see Bobo puppies and their strengths and weaknesses. You see dude puppies and their strengths and weaknesses, and you train them a little bit differently. I mean, dude puppies, you you show, 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 teach, 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 and Bobo puppies, you try to keep a leash on them suckers because they want to go. So it's just a – it's a, it's different, but it's fun. I mean, I, I, I don't miss, and this is gonna sound cold, but I don't miss the dogs of the past, because I see them every day. Yeah. So it's, yeah. A, it's not, it's not as, it's not as sad as, as, as most folks would think. I don't wake up every day and go, oh man, I wish Bobo was behind the door that I'm opening. It's not like that at all. He is there.
2: That's right. But it, I guess, the way these dogs touch our souls, like you was talking about dude i saw you get a little emotional over there and the other night uh ray was talking about grady and he got emotional the way that they touch our souls and what they bring to our life is um really 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 cool
3: they 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 give you a lot and they take a little bit when they leave <laughs> <laughs> they do man that's exactly right absolutely yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so hang on, I got a, I got a question. Yeah, say, you
2: sound like you got something, Jim. Come on.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was just listening. Uh. So transitioning <laughs> from, from the grand, the national and now prepping for the, for the crown championship. What What's the anything different? You know, I know you're going to stretch them out probably for field trial stuff or whatever, but anything specific that you do that you wouldn't mind to talk to us about that, that you feel like is important versus the other two, or is it just the same again throwing plastic ducks?
3: I will say I will say this. It's a, a very easy it's a very easy uh, recipe for my success. The training for the perfection and the 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 high level that the grand demands, training for that transitioned to the rest of the the dog work for me, you know, it's that training for that level of precision, that level of perfection is what has made us successful in other venues. So I love, I, 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 I really, I'm worried about the day that the master national is before the grand because, you know, when you train for the master national, you want to make sure that they are more technically sound water wise you want. and, And their, their line manners are not as important. But running the grand first, you can, you can, you can uh, let them be a little bit more balanced, a little bit more free. They got to be, you know, at the grand, they better be okay running down a bank and not getting in the water for a while. If your dog's scared to 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 get out of the water and they throw that little down the shore landmark, you're gonna be in a pickle. Um, so yeah, I, I've been there. <laughs> so you know. I I love the fact that, you know, typically the grand falls first because I can nail them down on their line manners and I can let them be a little bit more free. And my dogs are technically sound. They understand when they're doing right and doing wrong. And then we can transition to Master National, get a couple of corrections around the edge of the water and say, okay, we're not running down the edge anymore, Bubba. You know, it's time to get in the water and be good. And as a compromise, I'm going to let you be a little bit more free on the line. So we're we're going from tight line manners, um, to to loosening up a little bit, and by that point, the only big transition that I have to make for the the, the crown is just letting the dogs, letting it all hang out, not not hacking them quite, down quite as much on blinds, you know, running longer blinds, running longer marks, and letting them, letting them, <laughs> letting them free up. Thinking about that, I that last, the last crown that we ran with dude, I remember we didn't run the master national because I didn't think he could hold up. We ran the grand, made him sit for the master national and get good and mad. And I came home and, and there was, I threw a probably six, 650 yard single. It was one of the longest marks I can throw on my property. And, uh, um, Martin, my, my ace number one bird boy, who's been with me since the beginning, Matter of fact, his dog is running the crown this year. Um, he's been with me since the beginning. And where we threw the mark, the dog went out of sight. Um, after they got 500 yards into it, they went kind of down into a dip. And he cranked up the four-wheeler and he came back and he said, Stevie, it's perfect. I mean, that was <laughs> that was the first mark we threw. and And he went out there and just slammed it. And I was pushing a 10-year-old dog that was getting over cruciate surgery. And right there by the end, his work was not as good. And, and I, I'm serious when I said all I want to do is go have one good series because I knew if I could have one good series, then we could possibly have two. But he just needed to rest. Like, I stretched him out a little bit, and it was time for him to sit down. And I didn't recognize that as a trainer. I should have just let him sit. But, uh, you know, the big things that we do different, Mr. Jimmy, is we try to get over here and uh and, and you know – let them see decoys. You know, in the grand, you throw marks in the decoys. At the SRS, you throw them away from the decoys. You know, there's those things. Yep. That, there's those little tendencies that you have to train for. But at the end of the day, if my dogs will run the crown to the, to grand precision, we'll win.
1: Yeah. Simple
3: as that. Simple as that.
1: I tell people, <laughs> I tell people this, even the dogs that go to the – to the, to the uh, uh, grand and, and pass or fail if they go out in the first series or the last series or if they pass it. By just going through all the prep training for that leading up, those dogs are so much better.
3: Oh, oh absolutely. And, and to be honest with you, I hated it when they when they made it unlimited because it was very easy for me to say we've got eight dogs and then it was 12, that we're taking the top 12 and that the other dogs that are training it's not no it's just not yet and it, were, it was it was a really good governing factor to tell folks you know your dog's not ready yet because he's not in the top 12 and if he makes the top 12 there's a high high likelihood that he's going to be successful that was yeah that was now you know, when it's unlimited, I have to find other ways to say no. <laughs> and other than yeah. it's
2: just not ready to go past.
3: Well and, and I mean it's hard to tell somebody that, you know, they may be sitting there with a Master National plate or, you know, my dog's done I can't tell you the last time he's failed a test or yada yada yada. But at the end of the day, the grand is not a weekend test. And and that's where they, you know, differentiate from the Master National. The Master National Says even though they may not follow this to a T, that it's supposed to be a weekend standard. That is not the case with the Grand. and when they made it unlimited, and then I've got to look around and say, okay, guys, you know, I want I want your business, I want you to stay, but don't I'm, I don't want to take your dog yet. You know, that's not yeah. always an easy That's sitting. hard to do. So yeah, I think that's uh, that's a problem a lot of gun dog trainers run into is they they end up having to push dogs faster than they want to because their owners are impatient and by the time the dog's actually ready to be something then you know either they've run out the owners run out of money and don't want to play anymore or they got their feelings hurt because their dog didn't do well at a couple of events and they don't want to play anymore when if they had just waited i mean i hate i'd hate to know how many really good dogs were ruined because they got pushed too much mm-hmm. oh uh,
1: i i would say i would say a large number i know it, I, I go north up uh, for the summer and i run a lot of tests and and I've taken a whole lot of dogs and run, you know, uh, six, eight, nine tests in a, in a two and a half month span and make a master hunter. And the worst part is about the last test we run, I really start them seeing, you know, they're passing. But by the time we're done, they're really starting to be a master hunter.
3: That's right.
1: You know, and, 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 and they would have been better to have started then <laughs> and, and, and kind of chipped it off a little because you know and everybody money comes into play with a lot of guys and and, and I get that too you know we all started somewhere you know money wise and that's a you know people people want to get it as fast as they can but i see that a lot i think dogs get pushed uh way too fast you know
3: well you know it's easy for somebody to say you know and i've and i've had this shot at me more than once you know you train better dogs you have you know you have Better clients, blah, blah, blah. But anybody getting started in this, I'll go ahead and tell you, you own what you condone. You know, if you let them push you around and tell you what's yeah. better, better for their dogs, you're going to have to deal with the, uh, the repercussions of that. If you stand by your standard and say, this is what I'm going for. And, you know, I, I tell folks all the time that call and want to talk about training. I am not the fastest guy, I'm not the cheapest guy. That's not my business model. I'm here to to build the best dog I can build, and if you're on board for that, let's do this. But if you want, if you want an HRCH at 14 months old, I'm not the guy for you.
2: Same
1: here. So yeah, yeah, it's not a race.
3: But but you know, it's hard to tell somebody, especially somebody that's new and excited. A lot of times, it's not a money thing for owners. A lot of times, it's a pride thing. Mm-hmm. And, or a yeah. wife. And I tell folks all the time, I'm like, hey, but you know. This is very simple. I don't care about what this dog is at two years old. That means nothing to me. I want to know what he's going to be when he's four, when he's five, because of the foundation that we're putting in, because of, of the process that we're going through. You know, This is not uh, come in and be in and out. Not uh, We don't train a bunch of gun dogs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you know, if you want to have a competition dog of the highest caliber, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen over a year. It just don't happen. Yeah. It does not yeah. happen. So, it's hard for
2: people to grasp, though. It's really hard. But, well, Jim, we, before we before we close this deal out, let's, let's get into a little bit of technical dog training stuff. I got one, one question. Is that all right with you, bud? Oh, yeah. How about, Stephen, what about we was were talking about earlier, balance around the water where there's days you have to run. And if you'll remember back to my – you may not remember – Oh, I do. <laughs> My very first national. Okay. You remember that? Was, that? was that cattle ranch? No, it was in South Carolina. We were in the same oh, flight. Hey. And with our first series, we had that blind where they shot – I almost say they shot a flyer out in the water, but they threw a bird out in the water, and you had to run under the arc on the land down and get, mm-hmm. not get in the water. And I lost like five dogs that got in the water, and I couldn't get out. That type blind.
3: Well, and I – that's not a very fun blind to run with a two year old dog if you're doing things right. Right. You know, because a blind like that is gonna expose a dog's heart. Either they either they don't wanna get in because that's natural instinct or they do wanna get in because that's what they were trained to do. It's really hard to tell a dog, especially a young dog, that you're that you're imprinting around the water that it's okay to run down the bank now because, you know, it's kind of like John Boy and Billy show at the beginning. When you're doing water work, the answer is always C, get get wet. <laughs> yeah. so it's not about if you get wet, it's just when you get wet. And a lot of times, especially anything that's got anything of a beta mentality is going to imprint towards the water and the nearest water all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think – I think the first thing that people don't don't do right is they don't teach the, how to communicate with a dog. You know, it's not just about pressure around the water; it's showing the dog how to modify and modify accordingly. And so, I start with basic cheating seeing, cheating single drills, which you've seen um, that how how we do it um, around the house. But what that cheating single drill is doing is one is bending the dog toward the to water, and two showing them how to modify their behavior without excessive pressure, and, and understand, okay, if I get in the water, it's no big deal. So <sighs> there's heavier or more volume of corrections when we're, when we're imprinting this stuff on a young dog. And I think this is one of the, the – where dog training and dog trainers, they get in a big rush and they don't understand why. So, you know, It used to be a, like getting a hunting retriever champion title was a big deal well now if if they didn't do it for their two people are looking around like something's wrong well what what was the big race to two? I mean, why did all of a sudden two become such a defining demarcator in a dog's life right um but the truth is you know in a dog's mind, when they start to get to two, that's when they're realizing that there are other options and other ways to do things and and you really got to a dog's two to to fairly imprint water lines in them because after they're two and and we're not talking about the day they turn two. you know this is going to happen for different dogs at different ages but the long story short is they don't have any bad habits before two they don't they don't know about cheating they don't know about running around they don't know about taking you know they're just they're they're wholeheartedly going to do the work for the sake of the work well you know, when they start getting older and more mature and realize, you know, it's a whole lot faster, you know, when they look at a, at a a more complex setup and say, okay, you know, I could do it this way, but I could do it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're getting to that point in a dog where a dog's rationally looking at a setup and choosing less water because it's just easier or faster or cheat, you know, there are different motivations for cheating. We can get into that later. But when you start talking about technical aspects of water, and, and balance you have to take them to utter unbalance at the beginning. You got to make them want to be in the water and want to be in the water right but that doesn't mean that you have to make them there's a difference between teaching a dog to want to be in the water and a dog being scared to get out yeah that is that is a, that is wholeheartedly different So a dog wanting to be in the water and understanding this is the route is what I'm seeking for at the beginning, understanding the rules around the water, understanding when you feel pressure, modifying accordingly. And, and, you know, timing has everything to do with that. You know, there's a big debate about do you let them get out and get up on the hill? Do you do it on the edge? Do you do it in the water before they're in? You know, all there's there's a bunch of different applications, but when you're seeking balance, first got to make them want to be in, and then you bring them in from the middle of the pond to the edge. Not from the bank, just into the water. I think that's that is that's my approach, and that's it seems like a more fair way, you know. Make them mm-hmm. want to be in, and bring them from the middle of the pond to the edge of the pond, not off the bank, just into the edge. So uh, balance is a big deal. As they understand the rules, then adding in getting out early, getting out, you know, or getting out getting out early, and then jumping in and swimming for a while you know there's there's a bunch of different applications there's a there's a bunch of different ways to do it but at the end of the day if you can get a dog to do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing not being afraid of doing the wrong thing that is the big win when it comes to training dogs especially around the water
2: absolutely and train them to do the right thing and not be Afraid of consequences to do the right thing, basically, is what you're saying.
3: Absolutely. You know, like I said, when <clears throat> the older my dogs get, the lighter the corrections in general get. Right. Because a lighter correction to a five year old, you know, a, a, a two nick on a five year old is the equivalent of a five nick on a on a year and a half year old because they understand okay I got to modify and if and if you start putting heavy corrections you're going to get huge responses they're going to they're going to severely overcompensate and they're not going to be on the edge of the water they're going to be in the middle of the pond because that's where I need to be according to the correction that you gave me right so. Yeah,
2: really. You're just looking for enough to change the behavior. Exactly.
3: Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't mean that a, that an old dog conscientiously doing the wrong thing's not going to get their correction that they deserve. But at, you know, you got to have them willing to do. You know, if, if a dog's overly water, overly watery, and that's what you know, especially in the field trial, where it turned turned into for a while, just swimmed to the end of the pond. Yeah. You know, if, if they'll if they'll jump in and swim to the end of the pond, then they're going to end up in the color like they want to be and now they've gotten a lot more savvy where they'll make that dog have to get out halfway down and and do some problem solving and then maybe swim in the, the pond or maybe not but
2: that. oh how times have changed
3: oh absolutely absolutely wow. absolutely well we're
2: closing in on an hour, gym i know you got stuff to do we got stuff to do buddy um yes steven yeah. thank you brother
3: it's a pleasure. Yeah, man.
2: I wish yeah. we could go on and on and on. We could do this all day. But- Absolutely. Oh, this,
1: this <laughs> is one of those we could do a, a, a mini series with yeah. Stephen Durst, No doubt.
2: Absolutely. But- we'll definitely have you back if you if you'll if you'll come back and and and. Absolutely. Join hey, the, is
3: that Jim Ronquist pulling in now? Yeah. Come on, uh, come on in, Jimbo, and tell them what you got planned this weekend. Jimbo's judging
2: the crown. Uh,
3: oh yeah.
2: We can't. Jimbo's not here, you know. So
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Jimmy. Congratulations on your success out there. I, I I didn't see I didn't see much of anybody. If they weren't in our flight, we were scattered all over the place and I was I was from oh. the field to the cabin. Kendra flew out there with me just to make sure I didn't. I didn't misbehave for a few days and overdo it. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I,
1: that 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 deal, yeah, I didn't see I don't think I've seen a soul other than the people in our flight. You know, they they done good about keeping us separated. I, I I can't say enough about the Master National and the way they handled that out there. It's just unbelievable. You know, to get that pulled off with what all was going on and it was and
3: definitely the way they've done that. It was definitely a colossal undertaking. Oh wow! Yeah, absolutely. Eleven hundred and
1: something, forty something dogs. They said, and 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 they come off virtually without a hitch. <laughs> you know, uh, a couple of couple of COVID cases and things like that. I hope everybody's doing okay with that. I I know. Uh, 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 Adam and I was talking. We're gonna we're gonna try to try to do a a podcast with some of the people involved in our flight because we had a good time, man, and and that makes a difference too. I I do better. You know, like I enjoyed the judges, I enjoyed the people we we're running with, like weather a lot of times, that that helps me more than anything you know we didn't hit any any real bad conditions, so that was uh it, it was good but i'm glad I'm glad you're feeling better thank you thank god you you survived that deal and, and good luck this week. I hope you. I hope you get them good. We'll be watching, and uh, and, and Stephen, hopefully we'll see you
2: soon. Stephen had a great national too. I didn't even bring it up a while ago, but congratulations yeah. on your national too. Uh, I, yeah.
3: I can't I can't take much credit for that. <laughs> I, I I was running my grand team, and um and Sean was was running a bunch of young ones, and we just he was training them all there. You know, for the better part of a month, he was he was training he was training almost every dog at the kennel, and I can't say enough for what he did and and he carried he carried more than his weight, and and I. I've said thank you a thousand times, and I'll keep saying it because this is a team thing. It's a group. It's a group effort, and and that's you yeah. know something I'm super proud of is that is that I yeah. have a great great support staff, and and support staff has got a whole different meaning now from, <laughs> from when yeah. I was in the yeah. NFL. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I, uh, Sean's I've a great known, dude.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I've known Sean Hager for a long, long time, and a a very good dude and a good friend, man. You got a, You got a good guy with you there. Well, he's.
3: Uh, flying back today. As soon as he got back, he hopped on a plane and went and spent a long weekend with his kids in New York, and and that's what it's all about, you know. Yeah. So. Yes. Sir. I appreciate you, Mister Jimmy. I appreciate you, Mister Adam. I got old people looking at me wanting to train dogs. <laughs> <That's> right. It's, <laughs> it's, ty- it's time to get after it. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Y'all go to work, guys. We'll talk to you soon.
3: All right,
2: Jim. Thank See you, buddy. Thank you, Steven. Appreciate you. you joining us. Bye. bye. Yes.
1: Sir. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Doghouse Podcast is available each week on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and on Spotify. Let Jimmy Rogers and Adam Campbell keep you updated on dog events, retriever hunt tests, great hunting adventures, and great hunting equipment. The Doghouse is brought to you in part by Sullivan Motors in Collins, Mississippi. They're your Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC dealer. Remember, BS delivers at Sullivan Motors.